Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 12th True Crime Digest. Today, we are going to go over some updates along with a couple new topics. Yeah, I'm excited about our last one the most, I think. That's the one that's unsettled me the longest. Like, I started hearing about it a few months ago, and I'm like, that's weird. And then, like, little by little, I'm like, can I check for this? I'm not going to give it away yet. And there's an Airbnb twist, too. There is. You know how I feel about... (laughs) Oh, you're already scared of Airbnbs. I'm already scared. But yeah, now I'm like really suspicious when someone walks by my car. Like if I'm putting my car away and I'm like, why'd you walk by my car? What are you doing? What are you looking at? Did you do anything to my car? Yeah, it's not a thing that they couldn't do before. It's just a different way. Exactly. Yeah. But anywho, we'll get to there when we get to there. Yes. So our first update is with Juby Monsif and... We've talked about him. He was the man missing from Scottsdale, Arizona. He disappeared on September 23rd of 2021. And then his body was later found on December 7th in a canal pump station. And on December 14th, that's when they announced that it was indeed Juby's body that was found. Lindsay and I went back and forth about how canals work. And now that she's visited Arizona, she's been able to actually see that they're just there. Bizarre. Just mixed in with the brown. Yeah. So there were a few things that came up this last month, and it answered some of the questions, too, about his body and then exactly how that particular canal station worked. So his family still has a lot of unanswered questions. And let's start with his remains first. They were pretty much skeletal. And his cause of death was eventually listed as undetermined on his death certificate. Interestingly, the Maricopa County Medical Examiner site shows his date of death as December 7th. And I'm guessing that's just because that's when they found the body. But I would have thought that they would have put it prior to that date. Yeah, yeah, that felt weird. So another thing that I learned last month is that his skull and his lower left arm are still missing. His family believes that they could still be perhaps in the canal system somewhere. And they are offering a $20,000 reward for any information leading to the cause of his disappearance and death. Also, there is a $10,000 reward for anyone that finds his skull. Juby's father, Najib Mansif Sr., said, We ask you, my friends, to please help us spread the word throughout social media. Finding his skull is essential in determining whether there is evidence of foul play, as we strongly believe that someone is responsible for what happened to our son. Absolutely heartbreaking. It is, yeah. Due to the state of decomposition and the missing skull, it is hard for them to really figure out how he died. The medical examiner, Dr. Kevin Horn, in his report stated, As the remains are partial and the head is not with the remains, the possibility of head or other trauma from accident or assault cannot be definitively excluded on the basis of forensic, pathological, or anthropological analyses alone. The report also suggested that the death was from an accidental drowning, Dr. Rebecca Shu, a forensic pathologist, also noted that the top two vertebrae in Juby's spine were not mechanically separated, meaning that it's more likely that his head was severed from his body after death. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe in the canal somewhere. 
Yeah, the toxicology report showed phylloxetine in his liver tissue, which is an antidepressant. He did say to some of his family that they would never see him again, but his family believes he still didn't take his own life. I mean, I would just wonder if, if that's something he was on. Yeah, yeah. And his dad in one of the interviews, too, was like, everyone's depressed at this time because we've been locked up for almost two years. So fair. Yeah. I'm not going to judge anybody for taking antidepressants. I take antidepressants no. like and anti-anxiety medication. And it's sad that they had to jump to that right away. Oh, it's in his body. Here's why. Like, yeah, it's in his body. It's in probably what, like 50 percent of people right now. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, no, for sure. So I would find that more interesting if that was not something he was prescribed. Like, it's an important note if like he wasn't. I'm not quite sure what that would do on a short term basis. I think that one, I could be wrong, but I think that one does take some time to build up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does, too. I don't think that's like something you would give someone if you had taken them. Yeah. So there was also some more information released about the canal that he was found in. And we talked about it before, but the canal ran behind Juby's home. And it's the extension of the canal where his body was ultimately found. The station where it was found was the end of the line for the canal, and it was about 11 miles from his home. And the station had what they called a trash rake that was used to scoop debris from the bottom of the canal with metal teeth. It basically stops anything from continuing down the canal. Okay. And that's what his body was stuck in. Okay. The part behind his house, so the canal, had an area between these gates, and that's the area that speculated that he was able to get between and some people say over. According to his dad, he still doesn't believe that Juby could have gone through these gates because of his strength. And then also because he doesn't like to touch stuff. So normally barehanded, he will not touch something. And so him trying to like shimmy through these gates, he would have to like try to open them a little bit. Yeah. And Fox 10, so Justin Lum, he's done a lot of coverage of the Lori Vallow case. He went to the area that they say that Juby could have gone to and him and Juby's dad are like standing there together and he's asking him, like, do you think Juby could have fit through here? And he's like, maybe one of the police officers that came that day could have, but I really don't think Juby could have. And looking at his dad and also at Justin Lum standing there, I don't even think either of them could fit through there. Huh. Okay, weird. And like Justin Lum's a pretty like slim guy too, right? And I don't think he could have. It's like these two gates with like a lock around them. And then also above it, there's barbed wire from what it looks like. So I don't think he could have gone over it either. So ultimately, there are some rewards out there trying to get more information. And I just feel really bad for his family. I've seen his father and his sister both posting statements and things like that on their uh, Facebook group and then also through various news reports. But I just hope that they could get the information that they're looking for. And hopefully someone saw something somewhere and will come forward. Yeah, I agree. It is really just so sad. They're still waiting for answers because I'm sure that when his remains were found, they were like, oh, we will have some type of closure. Not yeah. more of this. So we're going to pivot and we're going to talk about some updates in the Daniel Robinson case. There's not so many, it's much updates in his case, but updates in his search. Yeah. So there was a candlelight vigil at Arizona State Capitol to bring more attention to Daniel's case. And I'm in Arizona. I wasn't able to attend that one. But I will say when they do these candlelight vigils, especially at the Capitol, it does seem to produce positive results and get a lot more attention. I went to one years back about a dog, of course. And it was a dog that unfortunately did bite a child. But learning more about the case, it really wasn't 
the dog's fault. I'll leave it at that. But because of the candlelight vigil, it got more attention from, I mean, both sides, like people against the dog and people that came to help the dog. And when it finally went to a trial for this dog, I actually went to the trial for him and his life was spared. And I think it's because the attention he got due to the vigil. So I'm hoping that in the same sense that happens with Daniel's case is like the people that attended are now talking about this vigil with their friends and family. And then they're saying, you know, it's coming up in conversations elsewhere. And maybe his story is just getting it passed around more. When we are doing our case updates each month, what we'll do is we'll search the person's name and then we'll filter to articles from that past month. And even if it doesn't draw more people to the vigil itself, it being covered keeps it relevant. Like it keeps there being things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it in the news and it keeps it in your mind, too. Yeah. So the last search was on April 2nd and new searches will continue once every two weeks. So it's I mean, Arizona's what? How how hot was it last weekend, Amanda? 95 degrees. 95 degrees. So if you're going to go out and help, be sure to make sure that you stay hydrated and that you stay safe and healthy. There's also city flyer distributions every Saturday. The Find Daniel website is also looking for other types of volunteers to help in ways that aren't searches. So if you're not local to Arizona and you still want to help, you can head over to pleasehelpfinddaniel.com. We'll also list it in our show notes. If you look at the non-search volunteer sign up, you'll see what kind of like skills they're looking for. They're looking for things like marketing, communications, attorney or lawyers, accountants, investigation, nonprofit work, and also even event planning. They also have a section for other. So if there's some other like value added that you think that you have time for, I mean, and that might even be... Maybe you have some time and you're willing to call local representatives. Yeah. Worth it. Right? Like time is time and I'm I'm sure any help they would appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And I feel bad because those searches are going to get harder and harder, at least until, I mean, I hope he's found super quick, obviously, but it's going to be really hot here till like October. Yeah. So it just seems like, like time's running out. Like he needs answers now. So if you have any skills that you think can, you can lend to the investigation, Please go and fill that form out. And again, we'll put it in the in the show notes. Yeah. So let's shift and talk about a box of heads. So on March 3rd, a box of human heads was stolen from a freight company's truck in Denver, Colorado. I have so many questions. <laughs> I would imagine that most people, when hearing that headline, would have so many questions, right? Where are these heads? Who are these heads? How did they get there? Why are these heads? Freight truck. Why? Why is there a box of heads anywhere? Yeah. So the box that the heads were in was labeled exempt human specimen for science care. And the heads were going to be used for scientific research. And they were being shipped to the lab for that reason. Science Care is a company that describes itself as the leading body donation authority in the world via their website. And the heads in the box had been donated to science for scientific research. But did you know there was a a market for heads on the black market? I mean, isn't there a market for everything? I hate that. But yeah, $500 to $2,000 per head. That doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like it's a lot. I am also just like thoroughly under the impression that someone was like, I'm going to steal a box and did not think I'm going to steal a box of heads. Like maybe once once given the opportunity, they'll know what to do with them. But I mean, it's labeled, though. Well, it is exempt human specimen, right? You would think they were reading the label. But if you're just like breaking in, grabbing a box and like getting on the get, 
you might not be thinking like, I'm going to get a box of heads out of this heist. I feel like they knew that they were getting a box of heads. Oh, see, I feel like they didn't know. And I would love to see the person's face when they open that box. They're like, well, fuck. This is a bunch of fucking heads in this box. I literally like I, I, I saw the article and then I I just stared at it for a good minute when it popped up. I was like, this is very weird. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So did you know that you can buy human bones as just like a normal person? Well, did I know it actively? No. But did I assume in my bones that you could? Because weird shit on Etsy and just like the fact that you can buy like a, a full skeleton for like a classroom. And that just leads me to believe that you could do that. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're saying their box of heads, and I don't know what condition their box of heads is, but 500 to 2000 per head. So we have a store here in Phoenix and you can buy human skulls. Great. But they run three grand. So we know that they're getting at least three grand for this baby. I wonder how big this box was. Yeah. I mean, it's cleaned and, you know, whatever. Like it's actually just a skull. But yeah, people collect them. Lindsay's face right now. <laughs> if you're a collector of human heads, I'm sure people around you are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. I mean, I was like, when I went to the shop the first time, it hit me for a second. I was like, wait, that's that's real. Like, you can just buy, I think that at the time they had like a whole ass skeleton. It's just a thing. It's a thing people do. I don't know why. Like, the last thing I want to do is like, sit on someone's like, dining room hutch when i'm dead <laughs> collect dust i'm just there watching like really boring dinner parties and like stupid fights well you wouldn't have eyes you're just a skull no i'm a ghost i'm connected to that skull in this version i'm haunting my own skeleton because i'm the thing you can go wherever you want you would follow the skull not not the rest of the body <laughs> wherever that ended up it depends how egregious is what's happening to the rest of the body. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> is someone make like a weird taxidermy like brooch? I don't know. Are they cool? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, that would be cool. I, I think it depends. I think maybe I'd check in on each thing. I'd have a lot to do. <laughs> That'd be a lot of places to be, Lindsay. A busy ghost. I'm a ghost on the move. Oh, fuck. Haunting the rocking chair. No, no, that was always you. You're the rocking chair. I'm a ghost on the move tracking down my body. No, I said I didn't want to haunt the rocking chair because I didn't want to be a dump ghost. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, box of heads. I wonder if there'll be updates on that. <laughs> like, how do you update that? I, I hope there is. I want to talk about that all the time. Perfect. Well, interesting for sure. Yeah. A little more lighthearted than most of our cases. I mean, sort of. Like, we don't know what they're doing to these heads yet. Look, these heads were of people who were already dead. That's true. That is true. Like, they were dead and they donated their body to science. Didn't necessarily make it to science, but, you know. Do you think that people who, know, like, recently had someone, like, die in that area are going to be like, was my loved one's head part of that? Could they find that out? Probably. If the times match. I don't know. That's weird. That sucks. I think I would be like, let go and let go. That, that is yours now. You know what I mean? But again, we've talked about the fact that I am totally fine with this meat carcass being thrown in a dumpster. I'm fine with my body going to the dump. No, I'm not going to haunt it if it's at the dump. I'm only going to haunt my remains. Right. If people do rude things with them. 
And you can define rude however you need to. So if we find out more about this box of heads, we'll share it. But that's all there is for now. Fair. Well, we do have a new case that we are going to cover. And I was hoping for a better outcome, but we did get an outcome a couple days ago. So Naomi Urion, who's 18, her body was unfortunately just discovered a couple days ago, and she had been missing since March 12th. So I do want to touch a little bit on her as a person first, and then we'll talk about her case. So she was 18 years old, and her family described her as an extrovert who loved meeting people and making new friends. She was independent and was saving money to buy a house. At 18, that's impressive. Right? For 18? She loved music, games, drawing. And then interestingly, she actually just moved to the States not too long ago from South Africa. And she moved to Nevada to live with her brother Casey and his fiance. And she just moved here in August of 2021. Her mom, Diana, and her dad, Herv, were still in South Africa when she moved to Nevada. Her father works for the U.S. State Department in Foreign Service. And her family actually moved around a decent amount, it seemed. And they'd moved to many different countries, I'm guessing, for his job. And uh, she decided she wanted to come to the States. So Casey, her brother, described her as a typical teenager who went on dates, made sassy remarks, and had big dreams for her future in the States. That's very sad. Just so, so sad. I feel like she lived all over, I mean, I'm assuming the world, right? And then she moves here. And within a year, she gets murdered. We're going to talk about it. So on March 12th, she was at a Walmart parking lot in Fenley, Nevada, around 5 a.m. And she was there because she was on her way to work. She typically stopped there so that she could catch a shuttle from the parking lot. It sounds like it was like a ride share for her work. And she worked at Panasonic. So she manufactured batteries for them at their factory. Oh, interesting. Yeah, right? Interesting, especially again for an 18-year-old who just moved to the States to have, I don't know, a big name job, it sounds. She was active on social media between 5.09 a.m. and 5.23 a.m. So at around 524 in the morning, there's surveillance footage of a man approaching her car. Then about a minute later, the car leaves the parking lot. According to the missing persons flyer for her, because originally she was just she was a missing person before they had found her. A nondescript man forced his way into the driver's seat of her vehicle. So as we mentioned, there's surveillance footage and there's some that's been released and some that hasn't been released. So the release footage shows that he's wearing hoodie and jeans And it looks like he's in like the side pickup area at that Walmart. From what we've seen from sources, it looks like he walked into the Walmart parking lot. According to her brother, who has seen the unreleased footage, the man approaches her car, opens the door of the driver's side, and he says something to her that makes Naomi freeze. And then she scoots over to the passenger seat. He then gets into the driver's seat and drives off with her in the car. So according to authorities, her last known whereabouts were about 10 minutes away from the Walmart store off of State Route 427, and that's where her phone signal basically went dark. So on March 15th, her car was found, and it was recovered next to the Sherman Williams West Emulsion Plant, and there was evidence inside suggesting something had happened. So then on March 25th, a man named Troy Driver, who's 41, was arrested and was being held on kidnapping charges. They also impounded a pickup truck possibly involved. His bond was set at $750,000. And from what I understand, this could just be a coincidence, but there was another car in the parking lot that morning. I guess in the surveillance footage, he walks in front of a car that has their headlights on. 
from what I understand is they found the driver of that car. And then shortly after they were able to track him down. So I don't know if like they gave more detailed information to be able to track him down, or it could have been a coincidence that he was just arrested shortly after. So there's an article from the Ukiah Daily Journal in California from 1997. And I guess the same man, driver, pled guilty when he was 17 years old to multiple charges of second-degree robbery and for being an accessory to murder of a 19-year-old. Oh, I don't like that. What are the odds that he would be the one next to this happening? Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like so often when you hear about abduction schemes, there's always two people. So there's one person who's like more active with the victim and then there's another yeah, most of the time. Yeah. And I know with him, there was it seems like there was a group, uh, according to the article, there was a few other people listed that had different charges, it sounded. Yeah. But in the article, too, it said that as part of a negotiated settlement, his sentence would be about 15 years. But then a defense attorney said that he would likely be released in 12. And I was trying to track down some of his past information, and it does sound like he only served 12 years for murder. So the judge ruled that if he posts bail, driver would be placed under enhanced supervision with a GPS monitor. Also, the FBI offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to her whereabouts. Unfortunately, on Tuesday, March 29th, investigators were called to a remote part of Churchill County after receiving a tip connected to her disappearance. Their investigation led them to a possible gravesite where a body was later recovered. On Wednesday, March 30th, it was confirmed that the remains were indeed Naomi's. That is so heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. So a pre-trial hearing for Driver has been set for April 5th, and then a preliminary hearing is scheduled for April 12th. So this is hour by hour pretty much developing. So of course, we'll update you again in our next True Crime Digest. So our next update is a very old thing that we talked about, and it's Dyatlov Pass. Many moons ago. Many moons ago. We did a whole episode on it. And then our first True Crime Digest also had an update on it. If you don't know what Dyatlov Pass is, it's too much to describe right now. Go listen to our full episode on it. It's a good one. It is a good one. A big mystery. A a mystery. So now there is video evidence to back the theory that a slab avalanche may be the reason for the Dyatlov mystery. We discussed the slab avalanche theory in our first True Crime Digest. Where we left off was Alexander Puzrin and Johan Game tested their theory on a computer simulation. Remember, we talked a lot about Elsa. We did. And this simulation. Also, when I was getting a couple more notes done, I saw that someone in their uh, paper made a cartoon that included Elsa in the Outlaws theories. I love this. Yeah, I sent it to you. It was funny. So as a reminder, slab avalanches happen when slab-like layers of snow are positioned on top of a weaker layer, creating dangerously pent-up pressure that can be released with a relatively small trigger. So some research believe that the trigger might have been them pitching their tent. Hmm. And that could have perhaps set off the chain of events that ended with the hikers losing their lives. Some argue that the slopes of Dyatlov are not angled enough for these avalanches. So because their theory and their research got so much media coverage, the researchers decided to follow up their hypothesis and take some trips to the past. I love that, though, that we have people like now going being like, let's test out some theories. 
Yeah, yeah, because like computer simulations are great and they can show a lot of information, but they can only show so much. So there's still going to be those people that are like, well, it can happen on your computer, but not at Dyatlov Pass. Exactly. Exactly. So because of all of the coverage, too, they were able to put together a really good team to go investigate. The first trip happened in the summer of 2021. And what it revealed is that the terrain is covered in natural step-like drops on meter scales, and that that could produce a slab avalanche, even though the broader slope appears deceptively safe under the snow cover. So basically, without all the snow, they could see like, oh, this could happen here. Also, because the Dyatlov hikers only saw it at the snow, like the coldest, snowiest state, they may not have known that that was even a possibility. So it may have given them a false sense of security looking at it and setting up camp because it doesn't look like it should be able to have that type of avalanche. I mean, that makes sense. So in the winter of 2021, there were hints of slab avalanches just a few miles from Ditloff Pass, which sparked researchers to plan a third trip. So on January 28th, 2022, 63 years after the hikers were last seen alive for the last time, two professional mountain guides, Oleg Demyanko and Dmitry Borisov, set out for the Ditlov Pass on two snowmobiles. Their trip seemed super similar to the original hikers' story, and the weather seemed fine and then quickly deteriorated with wind and temperatures dropping. When they approached their destination, it started to get a little bit better, just easier to see, and then they could see traces of two snow slab avalanches. They documented the remains of the avalanches and saw that they vanished under the snowfall within an hour of finding them, which is wild to me because when I imagine an avalanche, I imagine like just this insane amount of snow, right? Like this like, do you remember the Your Pretty Little Face is Going to Hell, the Krampus episode with Gumfunickel and his horn? And he's causing the avalanches, but he's saying he's saving them. I'm imagining like this like cartoon scale. <laughs> yeah, cartoon scale avalanche, which I feel like is like what your brain does. Like lots of snowfall. Yep. Big snow come down. Yeah. Elsa style. Elsa style. Like just poof, lots of it. As I said a minute ago, the snow that had fallen from that avalanche after an hour, the snow that was falling covered it up. Right. So that explains why the team that went to rescue the Ditloff Pass victims didn't see any signs of that avalanche because it looked just like a bunch of snow on snow. And it also explains why no avalanches have been observed there before, because it's gone within an hour. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. So you have to be there at the right time. You have to like be there when it's happening and not be there when it's happening. Exactly. It's a, it's a tiny time frame. So the research ended with discussing the similarities and differences to the area during the last visit and how the area is clearly prone to avalanches. So I find that fascinating. There are some pictures of what a slab avalanche actually looks like too. And it's cool because some are from Google Earth and then some are from some of the researchers that took it in March of 2021. And then January of 2022. Am I correct in thinking as I look at these that they can tell where the slab avalanche was because there's an indentation in the snow? I believe so. That's how I interpret it. I'm no snow scientist, nor do I want to be one. Amanda's snow, snow scientist. (laughs) But yeah, I think that that's what disappeared super quick is like that indentation. But all around, Lindsay, does this change your mind? Do you think it really was just a slab avalanche? No. You know why? 
And why why is that? Is it because of the missing eyes and tongue? <laughs> because the motherfucking missing eyes and tongues. You cannot get me there. You can't get me there. Because why would the tongues and eyes be missing from one person, but not the others? Although they were in different areas. So my theory is the ones that went into the trench, right? I believe those were the ones missing mm-hmm. items of their face. And I, I want to say like maybe when the snow fell on it, what if they bit their tongue off and then something ate it? And then the eyes. What? Amanda? I don't know about the eyes. Something something ate it. Bacteria. I don't know. They were they. What they're like a cartoon. They bit their tongue off. Their eyes popped out of their head. I that feels I, no, but I feel like something ate it. Like that's the only explanation in my head. The two people who were missing their tongues, they were both in the trenches and the eyes too, right? Okay, so I'm wondering if like when all of it went down, and I'm assuming something probably went into the trench too and kind of smushed them. If I don't know. Maybe something either, I don't know what would cause their eyes to pop out, as gross as that sounds, but I, I'm i leaning towards the slab avalanche. Could I just point something out? Multiple people, something sketch happens. The people who have the sketchiest injuries are found in a place that is not the same as the others and that was harder to find. And it was so hard to find that they didn't even find it until two months later, remember? Because it had to thaw before the ravine before they were found inside that like trench ravine area right so yeah you say same area same injuries i say put the fucked up bodies in the fucked up place like i think that place is prone to slab avalanches there but is that part of the cover-up or the reason why they died so maybe the snow avalanche got some of the hikers and then the other ones died in a different fashion or perhaps the people who put those bodies there knew that area had slab avalanches. It's the, sa- it's the same idea of murdering someone and then putting their body in water. That is the most difficult murder, though. Going to that area at that time. Oh, man. But like, that's a lot of work on someone's behalf. Like a lot, a lot of work. More than most things. More than anything. But my thing is, is that you don't know what they saw. You don't know what they were privy to. You know, some maybe... Depending on a reason, there was a cover up. And also, say you are person in this area, right? You are doing a thing you don't want other people to see. Well, well, first off, you're in that area. You're doing the things. It's likely that you have like an idea of what goes on in that area. Let's vaguely say these these facts. Is it easier to one murder someone, take them down this mountain, and get rid of them, or to b just put them in an area where like this would happen? Where their bodies would be covered up. I actually don't think it's that hard, right? Like they have singes on their clothes because they kept burning themselves by their camp stove. We have a cut tent, a a smattering of broken bones, right? And damaged organs. To me, it doesn't feel like that terrible of a of a cover up because it's not like in my head, it's not like they saw something somewhere else and then they followed them up the mountain and did this. It's something happened on the mountain. So they did it on the mountain. It's not out of possibilities. It just sounds really hard. And it might be because I can't even walk in like a little bit of snow. And the thought of being where they were at that temperature, that stresses me out. And I don't know why anyone would ever want to go to there. My tinfoil hat is on. Well, either way, this theory, they can't prove that that's exactly what happened. But a slab avalanche does exist in that area. And now we know that. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda, would you like to tell me about some um, suspicious tech? Oh, God. 
<laughs> I think we're good with technology now, right? Like, just like cut it off here. We're good. We can't have nice things. We don't want anything else. So we can't have anything nice. I want to tell you about Apple AirTags and what hell they are bringing on this world. <laughs> this last month, more and more stories began being shared about these little devices being used in unintended ways. On April 30th of 2021, so last year, the Apple AirTag officially released. And to let you know what it is, if you don't know, it's a little bit bigger than a quarter. And it's used to track things like your wallet, keys, backpack, things like that. I've seen people put them on like backs of remotes. So it's supposed to be a helpful tool to track down your items. So it's like a tile, basically, right? It's like Apple's version of a tile. Yeah, yeah. They connect via Bluetooth and they run about $30. So they're not super expensive and they should just be little handy things, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, people are deciding to use them in not so great ways and they're using them to track people. And AirTag stalking is now becoming a thing. I fucking hate this timeline. <laughs> it's just wrong. Fucking timeline. So... Someone will be driving or doing something, and then all of a sudden, they'll get a weird notification on their phone, and it normally says something like, unknown accessory detected, this item has been moving with you for a while, and then it'll give you the option to leave it on or turn it off. Cool, cool, cool. And there's a lot wrong with this. One, it doesn't happen immediately, and we'll talk more about that. You don't get the notification right away. And the fact that it says it's been with you for a while, like already gives me chills. Like, oh, it has? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. And if you think about it too, if you're driving, right? Let's say one of these things ends up on or in your car. If your phone goes off with this notification, are you or should you be checking that right away while driving, right? So like you could go drive around. You could go through like, I don't know, a fast food place and then continue on your way. Go to your kid's school, pick up your kids. Well, that person knows where your kids go to school. Then come home before you even look at your phone. Then they just learned your entire daily routine without you even knowing that happened. I hate this. Yeah. I know we already brought him up earlier, but Justin Lum did some investigating with this too. And he did a test. And again, he's from Fox 10. He put an air tag in someone from his team's purse and had her go out. So she knew it was there, right? A consensual stalk. Oh, yeah. Like in front of her, he's like, I'm putting this in your purse. She goes out, doesn't say where she's going. An hour later, he was able to track her down at Target. So it's pretty accurate, right? During that hour, like she knew she was being stalked, obviously. But during that hour, her phone did not give her that notification. I don't like this. Nope. So then after more than four hours... That's when she finally got the notification and her said AirTag found moving with you. The location of this AirTag can be seen by its owner. Super. Super. Yep. So four hours, though. Apple is pretty responsive to big concerns with their tech. And they released a statement and they said, we take customer safety very seriously and are committed to AirTag's privacy and security. AirTag is designed with a set of proactive features to discourage unwanted tracking, a first in the industry, that both informs users of an unknown AirTag that might be with them and deters bad actors from using AirTags for nefarious purposes. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not fast.
fast enough. No, it doesn't. So Apple recently released a personal safety user guide on their website with steps on what to do in this situation. But Apple themselves has also taken some steps to try to fix this on their end. So first, they refine unwanted tracking alert logic, meaning that the unwanting tracking alert system, they've upgraded it and they say it uses sophisticated logic to determine how we alert users. Okay. They've also planned to update the unwanted tracking alert system to notify users earlier, loving this, and the sound. So currently, when people receive an alert, it plays a sound and they said they're going to adjust the tone sequence so that it's louder. So like, for example, right, like if there is an alert tone and this is under your wheel well while you're driving, you're not going to hear it. If it's substantially louder, you might hear it like outside the car, maybe. Yeah, outside the car, but not while it's driving, unless it stops and you don't have the music on. Exactly. So also, Apple has said that all AirTags are associated with an Apple ID and that if they're subpoenaed, they'll fully comply with law enforcement. So they'll be able to help track whose it is. Now, one of the ways that this works is if you don't have an Apple product, you probably don't know this. But when you have your Apple phone or iPad, you can pair items to it by placing it near it. If you have an iWatch, you can place it near it. It will pair. Same with AirPods and other stuff, too. So that's why it does that, which, okay, it's great that it's doing that for Apple users. Of course, people are stressed if they're an Android user, right? So Apple released an Android app called Tracker Detect for non-Apple users. And also, Google is working on more tracker detection and technology, and they may have announcements about it during their next developer conference in May. If the reason why the average user is using this is to find a thing, right, or to track something so that it's not stolen, yeah, this no longer works. If you put it on your bike and then your bike gets stolen and it's like pew, pew, pew and like alerts the person, it is no longer useful for that. So I I would imagine they kind of had to pivot like, how are they going to market this? How are they going to try to sell this? Is it something where you're like, it's great for your like wallet and keys if you always misplace them? But don't put it on things if it's a theft deterrent. Yeah, it's a hard side to pick, right? Like, what do you use it for? What is the easiest way to use it and market it, but also stay safe? And there's really not an in-between, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I did see, um, did a little looking on Reddit. And one thing that somebody said they did was they actually put an Apple tag on their own car. So that this way, like when they're at a parking lot, like they can always remember where their car is. And just in case it was ever stolen, then they're kind of good. But I was like, interesting. Yeah, but maybe if they wanted to use it for that technology, it should be a different item that has to be somehow in the car and connected to the car or, you know, like something like that to where the driver knows for sure it's there. Like it has to be plugged in in a certain fashion or. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My point is, I'm just that some people are using it for that purpose. Like they're tracking themselves for good. Yeah. And I'm like, interesting that like. This thing that people are using to track other people, they're using it like those people use it. Yeah, but for themselves. (laughs) Right? Like they're like tracking cars. I'm like, interesting. Okay, you could do it for you too. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the alert. So the AirTag does play an alert sound, but it seems very random. And the span is between 8 and 24 hours that it'll play its sound. Okay. And if I understand it correctly, the sound goes off when the tag is separated from its owner for a period of time. But like the period of time is 8 to 24 hours. So it doesn't seem like it's enough. Yeah. However, people have already found a way to disable the speaker and to sell these disabled speaker air tags on Etsy and eBay. 
I hate this. There's also, I read an article about a person who like reverse engineered like a cloning system that would basically bypass all of Apple's fixes. Great. Love it. Mm -hmm. Just to see if they could. And I was like, great. Love this. That doesn't mean you should. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, love this for us. Well, one person on Etsy, their name was JTEE3D, pulled their own product listing and said that the intent of the modification was to cater to several requests of buyers interested in their other AirTag products who were interested in fitting AirTags to their bike, pet, power tools, things like that. And the first thing actually when these came out, yeah, there was like a mock pet version that someone made. And I was like, that is cool to know if your dog ever got out. Yeah. But then immediately, even then, I'm like, oh, but people will put this on other people. Yeah. So there's also an eBay listing. And it says that they disabled it so it wouldn't beep so that it didn't continue to go off if you leave something like a car or a bike with a family member. And I mean, that that sort of makes a little bit of sense, right? Like you don't want, oh, borrow my car. It's going to beep every five minutes. You know, like that would get annoying. Yeah. It also reduces the chance of a thief being notified when they have your stolen item because then immediately oh this thing's beeping let me take it off and throw it in the bush over here right like like any thief would yeah yeah so again it's just like i don't know i don't know if these could be saved so in arizona glendale police department officials have confirmed that they have an active domestic violence case involving an air tag however this is happening all over the country currently yeah and i hate that i hate it One report is from a 19-year-old from Glendale, Arizona, named Cindy Miles. She said she was tracked late at night. She went to a convenience store, then to get fast food, then she went to a relative's house, and and then she just went back home. So she's just going about her day. And hours later, after she's gone to all her places, she gets an air tag alert. She said she saw a man and a woman watch her while she walked inside the store, which, right, like, could you imagine playing that back, right? Yeah. So while she was inside, she could see the guy looking at her in the store. So then she moved to the opposite end of the store. So he couldn't. The lady then got out, but never actually entered the store. And so Cindy thinks it was their air tag. Yeah. And I just can't imagine like your stomach drops, that feeling of like, why did they want to know where I was? They know where I live. Yep. They know everything. And the scary thing, too, is for Arizona, we are one of the states that has the biggest issue with sex trafficking. Yeah. And especially young women. And in this case, at night alone, had she have stopped at the wrong place, maybe they would have been able to take her. You know, like, I don't know if that's what their intention was by any means. Yeah. But it, it is a big thought here. I hate this so much. So another report came from Detroit, Michigan. And it came in after a man bought a new Dodge Charger. He discovered an unknown AirTag on his vehicle. He believed it was put there by car thieves that were targeting his car. And then as I was looking more into that, also in Canada, police have documented instances where AirTags are used to follow and locate luxury cars so that they can steal them. I'd rather us be stealing cars than people, but I'd rather if we could just have nice things. Exactly. But like, that's another thing. Like, what if you buy a new car and someone's going and pretending to look at cars on a lot and just dropping a few air tags on the ones that they want? I hate that so much. Right? Just all of it. Yeah. So there was also even a recent arrest made. 
and it also happened in Arizona involving an AirTag or possibly an AirTag-like device. I've seen a couple different sources saying different things. Christian Cabrera Gonzalez, who's 25, was arrested after he allegedly confessed to attaching a tracker on a man's car so that he could follow his movements. The man reported finding the tracker on March 14th and told authorities about how he had a restraining order against Gonzalez and he already thought it was him. So authorities were like, okay, they took the tracker and then they drove to a park in Bullhead City around midnight. And then within about five minutes, Gonzalez, his car pulls up. Oh, God. I'm sure he hated being right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then a traffic stop was conducted and Gonzalez was stopped. He advised police that he had a firearm. You don't don't love this. That's already like a little weird, especially when I tell you this next part. So he was then interviewed about his activities that evening. And then he admitted to putting the device on the victim's car a few days prior. So already he had been stalking him for days. He also said that he had driven by the victim's residence to take photos. And then he drove to the park to confront him. I don't like this. So let's say he hadn't found this tag. He already said he had a firearm in his car. Like, what were his intentions? Nothing good. That's for damn sure. Right, right. So Gonzalez was booked on charges of harassment, stalking, and failing to comply with a court order. And he was transported to Mojave County Adult Detention Facility in Arizona. And from what I understand, I believe he lived in Laughlin. I, again, as always, absolutely hate this. Amanda, would you like to hear something that ruined me? I mean, yes, but I also have several trips planned, so it stresses me out. Okay, well, before we get to there, so Reddit is a little bit rich with AirTag stories. I, I did find one story where a person, they found an AirTag and it had been with them for two days. They got an alert on their phone that there was an AirTag and then it's there for two days with her. She keeps getting alerts and she's looking all over and she can't find it. Like it doesn't look like it's on her keys or on her purse or anything. Like she doesn't know where it's from. She calls police, she calls Apple, and they don't help her. So she's just like living with this and she doesn't know where it is. Ugh, that gives me chills. And then on top of that, let's talk about the Airbnb instance. So a user on Reddit said they received an alert that an AirTag was moving with them after they had checked into an Airbnb. It was then that they realized that the host had put an AirTag on the keys they had given to the guests. So it doesn't seem like it was really hidden. It was just on the keys, right? Yeah. Which... Like, the idea of, like, don't lose these keys doesn't seem nefarious at first to me. Like, I was like, oh, like, you don't want to lose your keys. I would put that on my keys. Yeah. So the user on Reddit, the guest, I'm going to call him the guest. The guest came back to the Airbnb one day and they saw that there was a jacket hung up on a hook that wasn't on there, on the wall, before they had left. So they were like, that's strange. And so when you walk into this Airbnb, there's kind of like a loft space right next to the door. And when they walk in... They see the host, if you will, of the Airbnb, like spring up. And it's then that they realize that there's a mattress up there. The owner is like frantically talking and, and making excuses. And he says, oh, I, I, I left my phone charger here and is like frazzled and like skitters out. He comes back some time later and is like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Can I give you a free night as an apology? And they're like, sure. Want to stay longer? <laughs> sure. And so they had already booked this time and they needed a place to stay. So they decided, okay, we're not going to report this to Airbnb until we get home because they stay another whole last night, which like, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So they took the AirTag off of the keys so that they couldn't be tracked anymore. And they were just highly unnerved 
They realized that what he had been using that air tag on the keys for was to see when they were coming back so he could leave and still stay in his, like, presumably his home while he was renting it out and was just, like, tracking their movements so he they didn't realize he was there when they were. So weird. So weird. So, so weird, right? And from everything I saw, like, obviously they left and were fine, but they said, like, right before they were getting ready to leave the alert on the air tag started going off and the guest thought like oh no they're trying to ping it to see if we're still here but i think it was probably just an alert tone that was randomized no it was probably because he hadn't been there in a while Mm -hmm. and so i am highly unnerved i've had a tile before and i really liked them i thought they worked well i like left my keys somewhere once and was able to like track them down because of it at what cost at what cost? I didn't realize people were doing this type of nonsense, though. Yeah. But of course we can't have nice things. Of course we can't. No. And I actually heard about this a couple months ago. And I want to say I was looking everywhere for the news. Like, I can't find it again. But a woman had stopped at the store. And when she came out, she saw someone near her car, but just thought like, oh, maybe they thought it was their car or something. Yeah. And she got the notification a while later. Like, I guess she was out shopping or something, if I remember right. Yeah. And so she was looking everywhere and she went to a friend's house that helped her look. And he ended up reaching underneath the front of the car and found it there. Oh, I hate it. And then now I'm like, anytime my phone goes off, you're like, should I check that notification? Is it an air tag or is it someone texting me? Yeah. Like, is this something not very scary or is this something very scary? And now it's like even more stressful that when you do get that notification, it's already been happening for a while. It's not like it just started happening. Yeah. Ugh, hate it. That does make it so much worse. Let us know if you have an AirTag and if you have any sketch AirTag stories. I hope not. I also hope not. So that does it for our True Crime Digest. But remember, we do have some Valo Daybell updates coming too. So this week we have two episodes. For those looking for Valo Daybell updates, they will be in the next episode today. Yeah. And with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. Because of motherfucking missing eyes and tongues. Slavalab, Slavalanche, Slavalanche, baby.